0: This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. Find all my work at MJMunoz.com. Welcome to Henshin Inspection Presents Kissing Concrete. Visit MJMunoz.com slash KC for notes and links, and don't forget to subscribe. Like, share, and comment to help me grow. So, this is my inaugural, my first episode of Henshin Inspection proper, sort of, or Henshin Inspection Presents. Uh, proper. Uh, I just got through with uh, celebrating Ichinomori where I did five uh, pieces talking about Ichinomori, his works, his legacy. Specifically, I watched uh, shows, five different shows, or really four different shows, <laughs> five episodes though, and talked about them. That's actually not true. It was four shows, I'm sorry, three shows and one comic. Um, and you can check uh, that out um, in the notes and such to find all that stuff. But anyway, uh, I decided after that, that I should go ahead and launch Henshin Inspection proper, and uh, part of that is going to be, as I described in also my uh, the three introductory episodes I did of Henshin Inspection, uh, is that I'll be talking about other shows uh, on a week-to-week basis or on an as-I-can basis, and as I talk about those shows featuring Henshin Heroes, I will try to draw conclusions from them and try to... Basically better understand the genre or sub-genre I should say and uh, that's what I'm gonna do And I picked actually a really interesting show to do that with Concrete Revolucio, Which is uh, written by or, or like creative lead Sho Aikawa of uh, Bo Kenger and other Super Sentai fame um, I can't remember if he Well, I can't remember what, what other stuff he did specifically I'll put it, some of it in the notes uh, And this is a studio bones anime Uh, that he, uh, you know, was heavily involved in creating, and uh, like I said, he's kind of the the main creative guy behind it, Um, he he pulls a lot of weight in the the production of the show. Anyway, so that's what I'm gonna be talking about, Concrete Revolution, there are two seasons, one is 12, and the other is 13 episodes, for a total of 25, I believe that's the correct number. Um, I've watched like three episodes total, this is probably my third or fourth time watching episode one, and uh, for whatever reason, I kind of had trouble grasping it before, but maybe it was because of the time jump stuff. But now I understand the time jump. Uh, It's easy to see on the screen. You just pay attention to the big number. Uh, Both events happen in January, but it's five years apart. One is in year 41 of whatever era, and the other's in year 46 of the other era. So, you know, that's interesting. Um, But basically I want to talk about the, you know, Henshin Hero aspects of this show. And it's full of a world, or you know, it takes place in a world where there are all sorts of superheroes living in Japan. Um, and all around the world and there's a superhuman bureau who uh, Jiro our pink-haired main dude uh, He's part of the superhuman bureau. They take care of superheroes And I mean that in both ways Um, Superhumans, you know don't have to leave their homes and change jobs and move all the time if their identities get exposed thanks to the superhuman bureau, but also if a superhuman is too dangerous Uh, too dangerous for their own good or for other people, Uh, Jiro and others in the Superhuman Bureau will execute them, kill them, contain them, something like that. It's a little mysterious. Uh, We see that over the course of the five years something happens to Jiro and uh, Kiko, this magical girl who he meets, um, she joins the Superhuman Bureau after the events of, uh, you know, year 41 of whatever era. And over the course of that time, she gets entrenched in them. Uh, he kind of escapes from the Superhuman Bureau and becomes an enemy of them, or to them, or something like that. And it's, it's very complicated with the back and forth, but basically it's seeding the idea that there's something not right with the Superhuman Bureau, and it looked like he killed this Ultraman analog, Grossa Alga, who... <laughs> that's a tough name for me. <laughs> anyway, um, he allegedly killed him, but it turns out he didn't really kill him, uh, it gets more complicated. You gotta watch the episode. And, uh, he and Grossa Alga basically are allies by the end of it. And Kiko is, she sounds like she wants to defect from the superhuman bureau as well. And he bids her farewell. And, and that's kind of the end of the episode. So I'm not sure why I synopsized it because I more want to talk. I guess I kind of have to talk about what happened in it to, to talk about it. Um, I'm going to go at a, Kind of a base level, since I'm talking about uh, since there's all these different characters in here. Uh, there's another character Furuta who uh, got minimal screen time in this episode, and he'll be featured more, I think, in the next episode, if not the third one. Um, anyway, he's uh, well. It turns out uh, he's a ghost, but that gets complicated. Uh, he is transformed. He transforms himself into a, a wolf in a, a train car. Then we see in the opening that he can turn into like a bird too, and other things. Um, so we'll learn more about him, but we'll get to that. And I don't know if he qualifies as being a henshin hero. Um, maybe if you expand it, you know, as broadly as possible. But anyway, uh, we've got Kiko, who's a magical girl. I think she's called Starchild. We have uh, this cop, this, you know, regular cop dude, who becomes Grossa Alga, and he's, like I said, an Ultraman analog, Kiko Starchild, she's a, uh, Sailor Moon analog, she even has the Magical Girl Transformation, she's got a rod, she's got a little, you know, go uh, guide totem thing, it's this little red bean-shaped thing, I think it's a traditional Japanese thing, because I've seen it, like, in Kamen Rider Drive, um... They put Mr. Belt on it at one point, and the, the chief or whatever of the, whatever they're called, the special division, has something like it in his office. It's like this little round red face. It's red, weird shape, almost like a Russian doll, and it has a face on it, but I don't think it opens up or closes or anything, but her little thing transforms into like uh, a scooter, like an air scooter for her, and she's got a wand, you know, kind of like Sailor Moon gets her wand eventually uh, in the show, and... Um, it's the same translation you know, transformation where she's, you know, naked basically. Her hair and eyes are there, some of her other features, but her body becomes like transparent, and you can see all this magical stuff going. Very cool uh, transformation. Very cool magical girl costume. It's like spacey. It's regal. Um, it's you know, it's cool. It's a, it's very cool. Um, and again, I, I am one of those folks who does consider, uh, you know, Magical Girls to definitely be henchin heroes, and I talked about that previously, Um, and, you know, that's something that can be expounded upon here. Uh, And then Gross Alga, like I said, it's an Ultraman analog, Um, instead of having the beta capsule-like thing, or he has something like a beta capsule, and it looks like a a tusk that has uh, something on the top of it, and it, like, opens up, it extends, and, like, there's liquid or, like, some sort of energy thing inside of it, and that opens up, and then he transforms. So. Kind Of, like, an ancient type of Ultraman, and I read up on Ultraman a while ago, and it sounded like they wanted him to look more like Garuda, the uh Hindu god, I think. Um, but it looked a little too villainous, so Subarai decided to have the design you know change, he rejected that one, and uh, I think that's kind of interesting, but that's going a little too deep for me. Uh, as far as what I want to talk about this show. And then Jiro, finally, he has a mecha, which he uh, a car that transforms into uh, a literal iron horse, as Kiko calls it. Uh, he refers to it as a, as a Kikai. I'm listening to the dub, I'm watching the dub, and Kikai is machine. So, like, Rider Machine is the name of the, you know, common Rider's motorcycles and whatnot. Like, uh, Cyclone for uh, Rider One. Uh, anyway, um... No, I'm sorry. Typhoon, the the belt. Or is it the other? I think it's cyclone. Typhoon is the belt. Anyway, it doesn't matter right now. That's a tangent. Um, but he calls it a kikai, and uh, he you know can't quite uh, operate it, and that's why he refers to it as kikai, because um, he's you know talking about the machine that he that they're in. Uh, it's called equus, equus, equus. I think for like horse, because it's an iron horse type thing. Anyway, so he's maybe like a super Sentai or. I don't know, something analogous to that, it honestly, it kind of reminds me of like Robotech because they have those uh, ships that transform into like the walking, you know, two-legged uh, Gundam type things, and then again, um, in Gundam Wing, we have uh, the, the main guy, the Gundam Wing or Wing Gundam or whatever it's called, it's a like fighter jet, but then it also transforms into a Gundam, so it reminds me of that, so I mean... That's that's weird. The the vehicle is changing, but he's not changing. But then in the preview, he's got something going on with his arm where, like, all this power comes out of it and it explodes. So, like, I wonder if this dude's a cyborg. Um, also, his arm's all bandaged up, and later on he has a scarf, and he's able to activate some sort of power with, I think, that particular arm when they're on this train to stop it. So, like... There's a lot going on, I'm very confused. I feel like I'll need to really get more like deeper into the show to really understand what's going on other than just saying like, oh, this is a reference to that and that's a reference to that and trying to, you know, determine what all the references are which is not something I'm really interested in doing and I'm sure you're not interested in hearing that. You know, I'm supposed to be analyzing, you know, these Henshin heroes and um, so far it's a little thin. Although I will say, um, the stuff with Gross Alga was really interesting because it examined Ultraman. They call him uh, like Earth's greatest hero or Earth's greatest defender, something like that, and that was really cool because uh, Ultraman, uh, as I understand it, is you know, well, older than Common Rider. And while there haven't been as many Ultraman as there have been Common Rider or Super Sentai, he's still like a huge hero in Japan. And like even the series run for shorter amounts of time, but they have you know, movies and events and whatever. But like Ultraman's a bigger deal um, than uh you know Commander Ultraman as far as i understand and uh super right productions is doing a good job of uh, putting ultraman into the into the united states um you know in a really really good way they've uh, got a they've got a strong footing with the marvel comics and the anime and uh you know making it available on different streaming services but anyway um it was really cool to see like the reverence that he was treated with and then like the story behind the the bike cop um I won't struggle with that. He's a cop. He's a good, good cop. Good cop. Good cop, just guy. Um, he gives up his life basically uh, two times to save Grossa Elga because he's just that kind of man. And uh, at the end, when Grossa Elga goes home and we get the big reveal about what exactly happened, it was really cool to hear that uh, as long as he could keep his heart focused on, uh, on justice, he would be able to control the, uh, other S-type planetarian, the other alien, um, that, you know, was, a, had turned into a kaiju that he had fought as Gross Alga earlier in the episode, and it was really cool to think that he's got this, um, you know, potentially evil alien, uh, that he's basically taking over the body of, or, or merging with, um, and he's able to, like, tame that power and control the alien, uh, by keeping his heart focused on, on justice and goodness and things like that. And that was really powerful to me. So like the whole, there was a little flashback to, uh, the cop and Grossa Alga, um, meeting, um, and then him giving up his life for Grossa Alga. And then again, he's willing to give up his life just to let Grossa Alga go home. He's willing to die. But Jiro, um, lets him merge with the other S planetarian that had, you know, formerly been the bad guy. And there's some bigger plot about, um, this S-Planetarian comes from this, you know, maybe planetoid thing, Scorpio, and they're trying to hide from them, but I don't know if, I don't, I'm confused as to if Grossa Alga and the other alien were both S-Planetarians or not. I don't know what S-Planetarian means. Again, I think it's a reference to the fact that uh, Ultraman or the Ultras come from the M787 or M707 or something like that, galaxy or nebula or whatever. Um, That's what it feels like to me. It's a nod to, especially because at the end, uh, the color scheme of Grossa Alga like, the rebirthed or renewed gross Alga um, is red and silver, just like Ultraman, uh, whereas before that, S-Planetarian had been, like, blue and black. So, anyway, um, like, that was really interesting, really compelling. Kiko, I don't have a very good grasp on her. It feels like she's a new magical girl. Her little totem friend helper thing mentioned something about her failing a test, um, about her ending up in a laboratory if she doesn't, like, hide her, uh, her, um, her secret identity and things like that. So... And then, like, she reveals herself at her work, so she ends up quitting, and then uh, she gets hired, I guess, at the superhero bureau or Superhuman Bureau, and uh, that's all interesting, but, like, I don't know, I can't really dig enough yet into it. Um, it sounds like she's got a good heart, and she's a good person, so it'll be interesting to see if, like, she's being fooled, and the Superhuman Bureau is really uh, a negative thing, and if she fights against that and wants to fight against that, when she learns that Jiro at the end had gone against their order, she's relieved and very happy, and it sounds like she's saying, like, you're the one, like... I want to be with, or I want to lie myself with, or I love, or who knows. Um, but there's, a few, it feels like there's some romantic tension. At least they probably became very good friends. So like, one, I'm engaged by the story. Two, I'm engaged by um, all the spectacle and all the cool designs and stuff. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, parse all that out and kind of strip all that away to focus on the Henshin hero aspects of it. And I can't quite do that just yet. And uh, I'm going to have to be okay with that because um, this is an ongoing effort and an ongoing attempt to, uh, to deal with all this stuff. And, uh, I guess that's pretty much all I have to say. Um, there were some really cool images in the episode. Uh, I love like this weird, like comic book look, like they're trying to do like Bende Dot or something like really flat. I don't know. It's like the way they're texturing, like the cityscape and things like that is really neat. Um, they have some interesting perspective shots, like the S-Planetarian rises, you know, it grows in size and it kind of jumps in size like Ultraman when he, uh, towards the camera you know, anyway, that's a reference thing, right? Um, but like it's cool cause it gives the scale and they have a, a, a line in there about how um, Gross Elga like pulls himself and the kaiju he's fighting into another dimension basically so that you know, and Kiko speculates it's like so that he doesn't damage stuff as he's beating up the bad guys and there's like a very simple naive look or perspective that she has on everything and um, Like, Jiro knows that there's more going on than that, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see her naivety change, and I hope that the show mostly goes in chronological order so I can see how things escalate to being, you know, so negative later on, but, um, again, that's all interesting. Um, There's a lot of, like I said, splash and and sizzle and spectacle to this uh, that alone are engaging and super cool to see, and, uh, anyway, it's winning on that end of being a cool Henshin Hero show because it's got cool stuff happening that's, you know, drawing me in and making me want to watch, so... Uh, I'm intrigued. Um, I don't really have much more else to say. I feel like this is a bit of a mess, but I'm not going to keep pushing it because I feel like I'm at the limit of my abilities right now. So I'll go ahead and uh, get out of here basically. And then hopefully, uh, you know, please look forward to the next uh, episode of Kissing Concrete, uh, where I'll be talking about um, Concrete Revolution, episode two, season one, episode two. And uh, we'll see what more I can learn, what more I can glean about these heroes and uh, whatnot as I'm trying to uh, examine what it is about Henshin Heroes that. You know, hooks me.